At Our Father's House, our prayer is that you will be blessed and strengthened by the power of Jesus Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us today as we study God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Justin. It's about knowing who Jesus is. And see, and, and even God opens the word to John and begins to describe to him who Jesus is. Because it's not about tribulation coming on the earth, and yet it does contain those types of things. But it reveals who Jesus is and is to come. It reveals the true character and nature of Jesus right now, seated at the right hand of the Father. It talks about a bride he's coming for. In fact, the Bible is a love story, but Revelation consummates that love story because there's battles and there's things going on, but there's a remnant who say, I'm not going to bow my knee to Baal. I'm not going to bow my knee to the world. I'm going to stay faithful. And when I hear the trumpet sound and I look, behold, the bridegroom comes. And he executes judgment on the ungodly. See, we talk about that stuff. But what it is, is, a, is it is the, the eternal romance being established with a bride. And that's what it's about. That's what the book of Revelation is about. And that's what I want to talk about here this morning is who Jesus is. So Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to read the whole chapter. If you're physically able to and willing, would you stand today in honor of the reading of the word today? I know it's quite a few verses, but I believe in honoring the word. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The word says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And you got to understand, too, uh, we look at the Bible, and I was in a discussion with a gentleman this week, and he said, how can I trust your Bible because it was written by man? And see, what people need to understand is that you need to get a, a pen and a paper out when God begins to speak. And see, you'll find no contradiction in this. And it's amazing. Yeah, God could have done just like he did the Ten Commandments. He could have wrote it on a stone. He could have wrote it on a scroll. But God chose to speak to a man, to be aware of who he is. But Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, he sent and he signified it by his angel unto his servant John who bore record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that reads and they, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him, which is and which was and which is to come from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he comes with clouds. Every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him and all the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega. Notice these words are written in red. Certain passages of the scripture are written in red. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, which was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Behold, behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book, send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, unto Thyatira, to Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. For I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girt about with paps with a golden girdle. His head was hairs like white as wool and as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if they were burning in a furnace. His voice as the sound of many waters. 
and he had in his right hand seven stars, and in his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. I'm he that lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of death and hell. Write the things which you've seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which are upon uh, which thou saw in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches. Today I want to preach on the subject today of the revelation of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. God, I come humbly before you and I feel such a yearning and an anticipation, a drawing and excitement in my spirit to preach about this blessed groom named Jesus. And Father, I pray, anoint the ears of the people to hear the word. Let your fire burn in this room. God, have your way today. Let this become a part of us. Let us learn about you. Let us know more about you. Father, have your way in this room. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today I want to talk about the subject again of the revelation of Jesus, who, who Jesus is. And, and see, um, the Bible teaches us uh, that John wrote the book of Revelation, John the Beloved, John the Bible says, whom, the, whom Jesus loved. He was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And you got to think about the, the versions of Jesus that John saw in his lifetime. First of all, it, be, it began simply with him and his brother, uh, James, mending their nets, the sons of Zebedee mending their nets because their nets had been broken and they were repairing them. And the Bible says Jesus looked at them and said, come follow me. And they stopped what they were doing and they came and they followed Jesus. And see, here, here's the thing. There was something about his words. There was something in his eyes. There was something about his character. There was something about his nature that caused them to stop what they were doing and follow after him. They witnessed the prophet whose signs and wonders and miracles followed and confirmed the word that he preached. The Bible says in John chapter 21 that the books of the world cannot contain the miracles that Jesus did. You put every book ever written in this world together and it still could not unfold the true reality of who Jesus really is. He's that big. And see, a lot of times we try to box. I'll get into more versions that John saw in a moment. But we try to box Jesus up and, and, and limit it to these pages. But I cannot tell you, he's bigger than the pages of your book. He's bigger than the building that we stand in. He's bigger than this body that we have. He's bigger than the school that you're in. He's bigger than this city. He's bigger than this nation. He is so big that the earth itself is his footstool. I'm talking about Jesus today. Hallelujah. This same Jesus works so many miracles. And here's the thing. I believe that the nature of Jesus is confirmed through the word, but I believe you can be introduced to a man named Jesus like you've never been introduced to him before. And listen, when I when someone introduces me to someone or, or they introduce themselves to me or whatever, there may be things I pick up at them, but a lot of times I'm bad with names. I know faces better than I know names. Do I have anybody else like that in the room? I think every pastor's like that. You'll forget their name in two minutes. It's just the way we're grafted. We just don't remember that stuff. But there's certain things that we may catch that if we see them out in the store or something, we begin to recognize who they are. See, our introduction may cause us to recognize when he moves, but do we really know him? Because if I dwell with them long enough, I'll start knowing what they like to eat. I'll start knowing their habits. I'll start knowing their passions. I'll start knowing where they work. I'll start knowing what they do. I'll start getting where their heart is. Is it about business or money? Is it, is it about ministry? See, a lot of times when I meet people, I'm either introduced as Jessica's husband if I'm at her workplace. Or if I'm in business, I'm the guy that handles the car rentals. Am I in the ministry? I'm introduced as the guy who's a youth pastor, an evangelist, or whatever the 
the case may be. But there's different versions that people are meeting, but they don't really know me. And here's the thing, there's different versions that we get into Jesus, but we're not really knowing him. You understand Islam has a version of Jesus, but they don't really know him. They, they know he's the prophet that worked miracles. He worked countless miracles in the Quran, but they don't know him. They think he's just another prophet. They even believe, Muslims believe he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, but they don't believe in an empty tomb. But if you go to the, jo the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, you'll find a sign hanging there saying he's not here, but he's risen. Amen. So he, he's more than just another prophet that works miracles. He's, a one, he's one that I can know intimately. He's one that I can talk to every day. I don't have to wait for a Sunday altar call to know him. I can have an altar in my bedroom. I can have an altar in my library. I can have an altar in my classroom. I can have an altar in my office. I can have an altar in my car. See, too many people are chasing pulpits rather than chase altars. I said we're chasing pulpits. That's why if you take someone off the platform, off the dance team, or off the music, or off singing, guess what? They'll quit coming to church because about a platform and a pulpit rather than a relationship. You can play and sing all your way through life and not know Jesus. And I don't know what him to say at the end apart from me. I never knew you. Hallelujah. I'm talking about Jesus in this room. John also saw the martyr hanging on a cross. The Bible teaches us the only disciple that stuck with Jesus to the cross was John. The only one. He had all these other disciples. One denied him. One betrayed him. The other forsook and went their own way. But John was there. Oh, glory. John was there in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was under so much stress that his sweat became as drops of blood, Pastor. John was there when the, when the spear ran in his side. John was there when the crown of thorns was put on his skull. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it was him and Mary at the cross. And you got to understand, you think, you, you think Jesus or nobody can relate to you, but I can tell you Jesus can relate to you because he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was a Jesus. He was a Savior. He was someone whose natural father Joseph that raised him died in his early age, in his early state. Everyone that was in his court abandoned him, denied him. He was betrayed by one of his best friends. He was denied in front of many. He was publicly humiliated. He hung on a cross. He was stripped to shame in order to spoil and put to shame every principality and every power. But John sat there and, he, and Jesus looked at John on the cross and said, behold your mother and looked at her as mother and said behold your son and John took uh, Joe, uh, took Mary Jesus's mother back to a home right before he could give up his last breath and die because he didn't want that last memory in his mother's mind but three days later there would be a tomb and stone that would be rolled away he would go down to hell and he would he would take the keys of death and hell and the grave and the Bible says when he resurrected many graves were open and the dead were seen walking up and down the streets of Jerusalem. I'm talking about Jesus today. I'm talking about an empty tomb today. You can have the symbol of the cross, but listen, that cross wouldn't mean absolutely nothing if there wasn't an empty tomb and other empty graves and other empty tombs. He is the risen Savior. He is the great I am. He is the bright and morning star. Come on. Anybody love Jesus in this room today? Come on, anybody love Jesus in this room? He's more than a prophet. He's more than a miracle worker. He is a savior. He is a redeemer. He is a deliverer. He is a healer. He is the son. He is the groom. Amen. Talking about Jesus in this room. Lord God to Peter and John and the disciples. He's risen. He's risen. The stones rolled away. He's risen. The Bible says John outrun Peter to the tomb. Amen. I would be Peter. Mitchell would be Mitchell would be John. He would beat me to the tomb, right? Amen. Well, maybe in about a week. No, I'm kidding. 
here's the thing. Here's the thing. He outran him. But John looked in there and he realized this was another version of Jesus. This wasn't the bloody man on a cross. This was an empty tomb with grave clothes sitting there with an angel on each side representing the Ark of the Covenant with the bloody garments in the center and an angel on each side of that slab of stone and a napkin folded because on a Jewish table when they would fold a napkin they would say I'm going away but I'm coming back hallelujah hallelujah I'm talking about Jesus in the room <laughs> Woo. ain't no greater message ain't no other message than Jesus man hallelujah glory to God and so it wouldn't be long and Jesus would be walking among them asking for some fish asking for some food for 40 days he visited them as a matter of fact he would walk through the doors and he would walk through the walls to get to them I mean Jesus this is incredible right this is Jesus and for 40 days he appeared to them and so the Bible teaches us that he would ascend after 40 days and the angels would come to these to this I believe it was 500 people right here gazing and watching Jesus ascend and these angels would come and make an announcement that said this same one who left you he will return in like manner go and wait for the promise go wait in Jerusalem went from 500 10 days later went to 120 in this prayer meeting when the Holy Ghost descended upon them now listen to this so John would go on his way and and the Bible teaches us and this is where we find ourselves in Revelation because he remembers seeing the resurrected Jesus but this time we got another version of Jesus and here's, here's the thing. I may be getting a little bit ahead of myself, but here's the thing. This revelation of Jesus in chapter 1, there are little nuggets he would give to each church of who Jesus was. The fullness of Jesus to John wasn't revealed to every pastor. Because you're not going to get the full revelation of Jesus by just listening to me. Hallelujah. You're not going to get the full revelation with Pastor Odie preaching about Jesus. You've got to know him. I said, you got to talk to him. You got to get alone in his presence. You got to cover the secret place. Hallelujah. And so they just got a little, a little taste. And, and he, here's the thing. John was so struck by this that he fell as a dead man. Why did he fall as a dead man? Maybe the presence of God was so strong it just took all of his strength and put him on the floor. But I want you to understand, and I've talked with this the youth a few weeks ago, there are different measures of the glory of God that we see revealed in scripture and see the bible says in exodus i believe it's chapter number 32 i believe the bible teaches us that moses had a face-to-face -face conversation with god but a few verses later he was on top of mount sinai and god said no man can see my face and live i want to put my hand over over the cliff of the rock where i'm going to put you and i'm going to go past you and you want to see my back parts as i'm going by you and see here's here's the thing why did he say that it was because there's only certain dimensions of, of the glory of god that you're ready to tap into and so that and that Moses experience became a tradition all through the Old Testament and even up to the New Testament it became a tradition that I can only be limited to how much glory of God I can abide in and walk in and carry because of another man's experience but yet Moses still talked with God face to face and here's the thing God God is asking what part of mortality are we willing to die to in order to engage in his glory into his immortality what part are we willing to die to to say God I want to see you in a way that we never seen you before here's the thing Moses wrote Genesis to De Deuteronomy Moses wasn't there at the creation Moses wasn't there at the flood of Noah Moses wasn't there at the tower of Babel but when God went by him and he seen his back parts he got a revelation of what was behind and he began to write. Listen, it's time for us to begin to write again. It's, it's time for us to hear the whispers of God's heart so significantly that we begin to write what he's speaking to us. Too many of us have blank pages on our paper when we need to get in a place where we can hear the drawing of his presence. You might say amen in the room. Amen. You've got, you've got people like Samson's father who had angelic visitation and said, we're surely going to die because we've seen God. And, and, and his wife said, how are we going to die? He just said, we're going to give birth to a son named Samson. Amen. See, a lot of people uh, put God in a box of tradition and say, well, God moved this way. And that's the way he's always going to move. But listen, God's, God's doing a new thing if we'll get on with it. Amen. And here's the thing too. Sometimes God may have you go back a few years to experience a new realm of his glory. 
Amen. John was seeing what Daniel had already saw in the book of Daniel. I'll get there in a minute. But here's the thing. It's, let me put it in this way. Some of you are thankful we don't sing from a red book hymnal. Some of you are. Okay. What if God told you to go back to it? Would you do it? Oh, my gosh. That's awful. What if God told you to go back? Would you do it? If God told you to go back, would you do it? If God told you to go back in 10, 20 years of the songs they used to sing, that 90s worship, would you go back to it? Would you? If God said, because you're being religious if you won't go back. Religious ain't about sticking in a time period. It's about listening to the voice of God. And if something inside of you traditionally says, I can't go there, then listen, you're out of the will of God and you're never going to tap in that dimension of his glory that you'd be able to tap into if you would die to yourself. And listen, there's nothing wrong with the Red Book hymnal. I ain't what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I know with the songs we sing, we sing like Jesus Culture, Carrie Job, and Jill's Reiner songs that God's given her and stuff like that. But what I'm saying is what happens if we just say, you know what, God, we're going to go the way you want to go. And God said, go this way. Would you go with him? Would you go with him? Amen. Are you with me? I offended some people there. I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> Okay, Isaiah saw God, and he saw in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He said, I'm undone, and I'm a man of unclean lips. Why did he say that? He said, I'm about to die because I've seen God. He wasn't about to die. God was about to give him a word for a generation. John sees God, and he says, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. Why? Why did they act like that? Because when you see God, you become aware of your sinful state. You can't be in the glory of God and be arrogant and be prideful. You can't. It's impossible. Because when you walk with God, you'll be meek. You'll be humble. You'll be of a low character. You'll, you'll get as low as you can. You'll serve other people. You're, you'll serve in other ways. Why? Because you're not looking for recognition. You know who it's all about, and it's all about Jesus. So let's go in the scripture here. Let's see what John saw. The Bible says, verse 4, it says, The seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. Amen. He said, from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Have you ever wondered what the seven spirits are? Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, verses 1 through 2. If you've got it, Jacob, put it, put it up there. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. It talks about the seven spirits. Uh, of, the, of the Lord. Amen. It says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. It's talking about Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. These seven spirits rested upon, upon Jesus. And so when he's talking about Jesus, he's talking about the mighty one. He's talking about the one you go to for advice. He's talking about the one you go to that holds all power. He's talking about the one that has the presence of God always because he's the only begotten son of God. He's the one that reverences our father. The son of God, he's the one who illuminates us to his presence, who gives us an understanding and a wisdom of who God, our father, really, really is. So when we talk about the spirits of God, Revelation 3.1 says that Jesus has the seven spirits of God. Revelation chapter 4 verse 5 says the seven spirits are lamps of fire burning before the throne of God. And so we understand and know what's burning before God is wisdom. What's burning before God is understanding. What's burning before God is a reverence and a fear of who he is. What's burning before God is a knowledge and a counsel. And so when I seek his face and I seek his presence, I'm tapping into the spirits that are upon Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's the thing. They're, they're these seven spirits. And see, what I, what I find interesting, the Bible also says this. It says, Jesus is in the midst. Revelation 5 and 6 says, Jesus is seen in the midst of the throne as the lamb that was slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all of the earth. So, so here we go. The seven spirits of God are signified through lamps of fire, horns, and eyes. Of course, Jesus' eyes are a flame of fire. But here's the thing. Why does it talk about these things because seven horns, horns represent authority. 
The authority that's upon Jesus comes from the seven spirits that burn before the throne of God. The seven lamps says this is how we're going to be enlightened as a church. We need to walk in wisdom, counsel, understanding. See, the church has lost completely the fear of the Lord. You want to know why we ain't burning? We've lost the fear of God. You know why we ain't burning? It's because we're not walking in wisdom and understanding and counsel of the Lord. If we get back to that, we'll make an impact on this generation. But he also said, these seven eyes that the lamb have, it represents the spirit of God. And so because the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to seek, to show his strength on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Now see, we read in scripture in Job that the devil is running to and fro throughout the earth seeking whom he may devour. So you got the devil roaming, but you got Christ's eyes searching. Because when the devil brings something against you, he said, my eye is on you so I can show the greatness of my strength through you. So you don't go through weakness to quit. You don't go through struggle to be depressed and, and, and diminished in your spirit. You go and you're tested and you go through stuff because God said, I'm searching for somebody I can show my strength to. When you face injury, God's just getting ready to show you his strength. When you go through battles, God is just getting ready to show you his strength. When your marriage is in a gridlock, God is just wanting to show you his strength. He said, I will show you my strength, amen, on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards me. When your heart gets aligned with the will of heaven, God said, I will show you exactly who I am. How many thankful God is strong today? He's strong. He's strong. Amen. But this is another scripture I find very interesting. Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. Jesus said this. He said, if a man gets delivered from an unclean spirit, so that spirit will leave him. And said, he'll come back. Do you understand that when you get free from something, the enemy's going to come back at you with it? Okay, let me say it again. When you get delivered from something, the enemy's going to come back with that. Okay? Brandon, the Lord delivered him from alcoholism. Okay, but he got rooted in Jesus where alcohol doesn't is not a taste he craves anymore, right? And some of you have those, some of you in this room have that testimony I've heard you talk about. But when you first get saved, your, your job probably isn't to go hang out at the club and the bar. Amen. But here's the thing you get saved, you get rooted, and then you have the strength to witness to those people hanging at the bar and the club. Amen. But here's the thing. He said those seven spirits, or that one spirit left him, but he's going to come back. And if that home is vacant, he said he's going to bring seven other spirits with him, and he's going to come crashing, living in there. Right? What is he saying? You either have the seven spirits of God on your life, or you're going to have some evil spirits on your life. Amen. And here's the thing. When you get delivered from something, you better fill something up in this house. And the enemy's looking for an empty house. But when you're full of the fire of God, when you're full of the power of God, when you're full of the spirit of God, the enemy can't reside here. Pornography, no, 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 it can't stay here. Adultery, no, it can't stay here. Alcoholism, gossip, lying, cheating, no, 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 no. It can't stay here because something else has filled this vessel. And it is the oil. It is the fire. It is the candlestick. It's the lamp of God. It's burning before his throne. Hallelujah. You with me, church? Amen. So, now we get to the scripture. Jesus said, I'm the faithful witness. Witness means martyr. He was the faithful one who laid his life down. He was the first begotten, first begotten of the dead. He resurrected from the dead. Amen. He's the prince of kings of the earth. He loved us and washed us with his blood. He made us kings and priests upon the earth. Some of you are not acting in your kingly and priestly duties. Amen. He said, every eye shall see him when he comes back. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. What is Jesus saying? He said, every word that you, every positive word that you can come in your language, he said, I'm just that. And he said, I'm also timeless. In other words, what I, be, I begun this thing and I'm going to end this thing. I am in control. Hallelujah. God's not sitting there with this election wringing his hands. One man in America cannot turn this thing around. But a church can end racism. Hallelujah. 
A bride who is so in love with Jesus can turn these schools. You know, when you look at this county, one of the poorest counties in the United States, and one of their middle schools is ranked third in the state of Kentucky, that's the glory of God being welcomed in a school system. Hallelujah. But when a bride gets so radically in love with him, man, they'll take authority in the land. Hallelujah. Jesus who was and is and is to come. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he said, I turned to see a voice that was speaking to me. He said, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, most, most of you may know that the Bible teaches us in Exodus chapter number 25, verse 40, that Moses patterned the furniture in the tabernacle after what he saw in heaven. So Moses and Daniel already had a glimpse of Jesus. But they seen the Jesus who was to come, but John saw who Jesus is now get that later amen and here's here's the thing because if you look if you were looking from heaven on top of the tabernacle of Moses the furniture was laid out in the form of a cross and so his the where Jesus's feet would be would be where the brazen altar is because his feet is like brass hallelujah at his knees was where the brazen labor was because we're talking about a baptism. It also shows a picture of the entryway to salvation. When you lay your life down, you know what? The next thing is a baptism of his presence. Amen. That was where the sun shined. But when you get in the inner court, there was the golden altar of incense because our prayers was incense before the Lord. And it would have been Jesus' heart on the cross because our prayers can't be head knowledge. It's got to be from the heart. On the left side was the table of shoe bread. This is where the priest would come in and eat. This is where the, where the nail would have went in his hand. And see, it was, the bread, it, was the, it was the bread. It was the loaves of bread. Twelve loaves represent the twelve tribes of Israel on this side. But on his right hand was a seven golden candlestick. And even though Moses didn't understand what that meant then, we do now. It represented the church. It was a bridging of two covenants on a cross. I said it was a bridging of two covenants on a cross, a Judaic covenant and a Christian covenant. It was a gold lampstand that was burning. That's why when John saw Jesus, he had seven stars in his hand. Because, and then the last thing, listen to this, at, the, at his head would have been the Ark of the Covenant. It would look like a crown of thorns, but in reality, it was many crowns. It was, a, it was a mercy seat. It was an ark of the covenant where the priest would go one day out of the year and the presence of God would come and be the light in that room. Amen. And the wind would begin to blow in that inner compartment in the holy of holies and because we're to put on the mind of Christ. Now I want you to look at where the fire is burning. The fire was burning at his feet. The fire was burning in his right hand. And the fire was burning in his in his head. Here's the thing. When he saw Jesus, he saw the seven stars in his hand. He saw his feet like brass coming out of a fire, but his countenance was shining like the sun. Amen. This is about the power of God illuminating through his son Jesus. And you need to get a revelation that Jesus is not some weak need person. He's one with the power, power authority. Listen, you can have this image, and some of you got the paintings probably at your, at, a, at your home or work, whatever. But, you know, you've seen those Da Vinci paintings with Jesus looking so feminine, written, painted in the Renaissance generation, right? Here's the thing. He's not weak, and he's not feminine. And because the church is called the bride doesn't make us feminine either. Amen. It's just a level to describe intimacy with him. I like what John the Baptist said. He said, I bear witness of the light. And he said, I'm a friend of the groom. He said, I'm Christ's best man for this marriage. He said, my mission is not to get in, not to woo the bride. My mission is to get them to the bridegroom. Did you get that? Because ministries try to get married to the church and get married to ministry and try to get all the attention on them and drop the attention of Jesus. But if we have the 
the mindset of John the Baptist, we realize, God, get us out of the way. Get us out of the way. I'm just preparing this marriage. I'm just, I'm ministering today about a revelation of Jesus. So there's a desire in the church that says, I want to see him. I want to see his feet like brass. I want to see his eyes as a flame of fire. I want to see his hair white as wool. I want to see him for who he is and who he is to come. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on the cross. He is alive. I said he's alive. He's alive. Amen. So the lampstand represented the seven churches, completion. It represented the churches. They were to have the seven spirits of God, which are the lamps of fire. It's like a golden candle, like a menorah, a golden candlestick before the presence of God. Now here's the thing. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything out of this? Amen. Getting some meat today. You got seven churches, okay? Each one's its message of its own, but I want to highlight some stuff. And Church of Ephesus, Christ introduces himself as the one who holds the seven stars and walks among the seven golden candlesticks. When he talks to each of the seven churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, he introduces himself in a different way to either go against what they're doing or to meet their need and say, I want to take you to a new place in my glory, a new dimension. Church of Ephesus, he introduced himself as the one that holds the seven stars and walks among the seven golden candlesticks. But he said, you left your first love. And he said, if you refuse to repent, your candlestick will be removed. Amen. We'll get in that deeper in just a second. He said, if they repented, they would eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. What's he saying? He said, you got to get back to a relationship with me. And when you do, you want to burn for me. And when you do, he said, I want to take you to a place, a new dimension of my glory. You want to eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. It's a new dimension. I said, it's a new dimension. Church of Smyrna, Christ introduces himself as the first and the last. One who was dead is now alive. He said, if you endure through persecution, he said, you'll receive a crown of life and not be hurt by the second death. He's saying, listen, I'm the one who resurrected from the dead so you don't have to spend eternity in hell. Amen? May I say amen. Hallelujah. Church of Pergamos said, Christ introduces himself as the one having a sharp sword with two edges. He said, if you repent, if you do not repent from compromising with idols, the sword of Christ's mouth would go against you. But if you repent, he said, I'll give you a hidden manna. You'll receive a white stone with a new name on it. You're going to get a new dimension if you repent. Church of Thyatira, he introduced himself as one whose eyes are a flame of fire. Feet are like fine brass. He said, instead of, and he said this, he said, instead of being the bride of Christ, they, entered, they, they entertained a spirit of Jezebel having a relationship with her instead. Amen. See, a lot of churches and books are writing about Jezebel. And listen, we know we can detect that thing quicker than anything else. But what about the bride? What about the spotless bride? Here's the thing. He said, if you, if you refuse to repent, you'll enter into great tribulation. But it's eyes that are a flame of fire is going to know and search the reins and hearts to discern what your true intention really is. That's why his eyes burn with fire. If you overcome, he said, I'll give you power over the nations to rule with a rod of iron. I hope you're getting some of this. I really do. Church of Thyatira, or Church of Sardis, it says, Christ introduced himself as the one who has the seven spirits and the seven stars. He said, you're a dead church. If you're a dead church, don't be dead, amen. He said, you're a dead church. He said, if you repent and wake up, out of this death state, he said, your name will not be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life, but I'll confess you before my Father. Church of Philadelphia says that Jesus introduced himself as the one who holds the keys of David. What he opens, no man can shut, and what he shuts, no man can open. I really like this. He said this. He said, if you continue to endure through persecution, the only two churches that were not rebuked were the ones who suffered persecution for doing right. Keep that in mind. He told the church of Philadelphia, he said, I'll keep you from the hour of temptation. If you refuse to let anyone take your crown, he said, you, he said you'll become a pillar in my temple and you'll never go out of my presence. 
He said, I hold the key of David. And said, we think of that and said, man, I want God to open doors for my life. But what Jesus was saying was, if you will refuse to let anybody take your crown and you'll be faithful to me, when you get in my presence, I'll shut the door. Woo, that fires me up, man. Where he said, it's a bride and a groom, and they're in the bedchamber, and the door's shut. There's no intruders. There's no disturbances. There's no hindrances. There's nothing stopping. There's no distraction. No, it's just you and Jesus. Can I tell you, and when you stay faithful to him and say, I will not compromise, I will not bow, I will endure through whatever it takes to stand upon the word. He said, I'm going to shut the door. Hallelujah. That's an awesome promise. A new dimension of his glory. He said the church of Laodicea introduced himself as the amen, the faithful and true witness in the beginning of creation. He said, you're the lukewarm church. He said, you got to repent of this. And he said, if you repent, he said, I'll knock on the door. And if you open, I'll come down with you. Now, this is the Laodicea church. This is a church that Jesus had no compliments for I believe there are churches in the world today that God could probably say, I really can't commend you on much, man. I don't want to be that church. Do you? I don't want to be that. He said, he said, and I love this. This fires me up. He would grant them to sit with him in his throne as he sat down with his father in his throne. He said, if you'll repent of the lukewarm condition and get on fire for me, he said, you'll sit in my throne. He said, you will sit in my throne. I like what the circuit riders say. And I hear them say this a lot of times. They say, it's time for the bride to put up the sword and take a seat. In a heavenly place, what are you saying? There comes a time where you enter a period of rest. There comes a time where you say, you know what? He did all the work. Why am I fine hand-to-hand in verbal combat when I can take my seat and stretch my hand over a place and say, this region is experiencing revival? Why can I take the same seat? Because wherever belongs to Jesus belongs to you. He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The earth is yours. Why? What am I telling you this? That job is yours. That school is yours. Why? Because he's seated in heavenly places. The only time, there was only two times in the book of Revelation where Christ got off his seat. The first one was to inspect the lampstand to see what lamps were burning. The second was, I'm coming to earth and I've got a sword in my hand. Hallelujah. And I'm going to slay the enemies. Why? Because if a sword is coming out of the mouth of Jesus, the the word, uh, and you've heard me say this a million times, two edged means two mouths. When you speak what God says, you can be seated in your throne in the heavenlies. And you can say, okay, I speak your word. No weapon formed against that girl is going to prosper. No weapon formed against that boy is going to prosper. My city is healed. My city is delivered. My neighbor is saved. My father is saved. Why? Because he's got the sword. You're taking a seat. Look at the dimensions of the glory that we've not tapped into because we've not understood the broad concept that we are married to Jesus. Paul said, I espouse you as a bride to him. Revelation is about the revealing of a mystery that you belong to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 25. Give me about five, ten minutes. I'll close. Matthew chapter 25. I want to read this parable. In this book, Matthew 25, verse 1, says this. It says, they shall, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. This is a parable of the ten virgins. Their virginity was not what was in question. Their virginity did not automatically get them in the door. That's what I want you to get. You can do all these self-righteous acts and still miss the mark. Do you know him? They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Jesus. I'm like, Pastor, I'm about to blow up. I just feel this fire burning, man. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Now listen to that. The church was asleep. All the virgins were asleep. Their slumbering state didn't eliminate them from going in either. 
In fact, he wants you to rest in his presence while you wait. Amen. Some of you ain't had a good night's sleep in a long time. You need to get to rest in the arms of Jesus, and you need to get your peace back. It's in knowing him. All hell can break loose, and you'll still have a smile because you know him. Hallelujah. Are you awake out there? I'll try to hurry up. And at midnight they were, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go ye out to meet him. Verse 7, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Verse 8, And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Amen. Last verse, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they were ready to go with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Amen. Let me keep going. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is coming. For the kingdom of heaven... Oh, I'll stop right there. Stop verse 13. Sorry about that. Okay, I was about to keep reading. Okay, here's the thing I want you to get. The virginity was not what got them in the door. Their slumbering state was not what eliminated them from going in. It was the place where they said, I had no extra oil. Because if you really knew him, you knew he wasn't bound to your time schedule. Amen. Hallelujah. But here's the thing. He's timeless. And I'm going to have extra oil in my vest. So what is oil? It's the fruit of a relationship with Jesus. Because he is the anointed one. And we understand no oil symbolizes the unction of the Holy Spirit. You can try to go buy it, but you can't buy it. They went to go buy it, but it's something you got to work for. And when you've got a relationship with God, you want to have extra oil. And when it's time for to put oil in that lamp, and see, that's the thing about the golden lampstand. And it's what's so interesting about this story, that that golden candlestick was to burn always. But every morning and evening, they would have to change the oil. They'd have to change everything up and put more oil in it so it would keep burning. See, you're trying to, you're trying to go on last week's oil when you need an oil change. Amen. I said you need an oil change. You need to go to a new dimension. There's more of God's glory we can tap into. And there's a sound about to be made that says, Behold, the bridegroom comes, and I've not got time to play games and try to find oil. If I get in his presence, I'll get the oil. I said if I get in his presence, I'll get the oil. So are you ready when the sound is made that you be ready for the coming of the Lord? Are you certain that you would spend eternity in his presence? Do you have the revelation of who Jesus is? Because it's more than going to church on Sunday. It's more than preaching. It's more than just praying and calling on Jesus because you're going through something. Do you know God? Because, there's a, there, because when you're knocking and he doesn't open, he's going to say those words, I didn't know you. I want him to know me. I'm, it's not about being known by people. It's about being known by God. I want to close with this today in Revelation chapter 22. And if guys could come to music and things, that'd be great. I want to close in this. I hope you got something out of this word today. About the revelation of Jesus. This Bible's full of mysteries. The Old Testament was Jesus concealed. The New Testament was Jesus revealed. Jesus, <laughs> Pastor Odie and I were talking Jesus was the ladder that was over Jacob with the angels ascending and descending. He was the rainbow because in Revelation 4, there's an emerald rainbow over the throne of God, covenant mercy. Jesus is the lamb that was slain for the foundations of the world. He was the blood that was on the doorposts and the upper post of the door. He was the one, Isaiah 53, Isaiah saw that would be wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace is upon him with his stripes we are healed. See, Daniel and Moses seen the Jesus that John saw, but they couldn't know him. Jesus had to go come down to earth, fashion himself as a man, and become a servant so he can become personal to our lives and we can know him. That way those eyes of a flame of fire don't have to be distant. We can, we can look at him and we can see him and we can know him. Revelation chapter 22. I want to read, start reading at verse 16. And this is how the book closes, book of Revelation, of this revelation of Jesus close. He says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify to you these things in the church. 
I'm the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Everybody say, come. You're the bride, so you're supposed to say it. It's what God said to do. He said, you say it, come. Come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. I'll stop right there. This book closes with an invitation for an introduction. Do you want to know Jesus? Because that's what the book of Revelation is about. So stop freaking out over everything goes on in Revelation. If Brandon starts teaching college and career about the book of Revelation, don't you go having nightmares and crying underneath the table. Right? Like, oh my gosh. Here's the thing. If this book is about Jesus revealed, Jesus is revealed and you can know him. But do you know him? It comes with an invitation. Come. That simple. Come. He told John in Revelation 4, after he told these churches these things, God tells John, come up here. Come up now. Jesus came to John, but there was a moment where John would have to go to him. And his spirit would be caught up, and he'd begin to see these things, and he'd seen the throne room of heaven. He'd seen the 24 thrones seated around the throne of God. Hallelujah. The bridging again of two covenants of the disciples and of the tribes of Israel. You see... Everything, everything that is in heaven has been drawn upon the earth. We've got to activate it. The tabernacle of Moses was the activation of what was in heaven. Jesus coming was bringing heaven to earth. Listen, you can have heaven on earth. You don't have to wait to die to get to heaven. You can have heaven on earth. You can know Jesus. But he's given a, one invitation, and that word is come. 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 He's giving you an invitation come. You may be in a church here many times. It may be your first time here, but there's an invitation to come. You've seen Jesus on the cross. You've got these versions of Jesus. Don't listen to a fabricated version of Jesus. Don't listen to someone else's pure, just mere experience of Jesus. You can know Jesus. You can know the line of the tribe of Judah. You can know the Savior of the world. You can know God. That's what separates us from any other religion in the world. They can't know their God. We can know Him. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.